This inspiring message comes to you from Impact Church in Kingston, Ontario, where we are committed to living like Jesus and loving like Jesus. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. I get the privilege of carrying on the message series about the Christmas story. Um, and hey, I'm on a roll. I might as well do another confession. Um, <laughs> feel like this is an open place. Might as well get some stuff off my chest while I'm here. Um, I've had great, um, I've always had a struggle with ever having to give a Christmas message. I, I always feared that I'd ever have to do one. And um, yeah, sure enough, Cameron asked me a couple months ago, and I'm like, yeah, absolutely, because I'm crazy like that. And uh, I've always wondered, like, what else could be said about the Christmas story? Like, you know, we, we read the verses, there's only so many verses that talk about Jesus and the Christmas story, but what could be added to it? But um, God's just been downloading so much new stuff, and you know, the more you read into the Word of God, the more you study, the more you research, the more um, God just pours new stuff into you. God pours new wisdom, new um, revelation, and uh, I hope to bring some clarity to some stuff this morning, and really what I want to do is I want to run through the first two chapters of Matthew and, uh, and dive into the, the birth story of Jesus and really what Jesus is actually saying to us through his birth story. And more specifically, I'm going to talk about um, something that's widely been proclaimed as the currency of heaven, and, and, and that is the amazing faith uh, of God, the amazing faith. Um, and faith is really, um, it is the foundation of our salvation. Without faith, we have nothing. And, and um, the, the Bible says in Ephesians 2.8 that it is by grace through faith that we have been saved through Christ and and faith is really um, it, it is really the very heartbeat of heaven and it is through a lifestyle of faith that we can actually put a great smile on God's face Hebrews 11:1. 1, faith is described as this it says that faith shows us the, shows the reality of what we hope for and it is the evidence of the things that we cannot see that's what I want to focus on this morning, that faith is the evidence of the things that we cannot see. And really, if I can this morning, I want to start off with something so obscure and so random um, that often gets overlooked in the Bible, and, and, and that's actually the first couple verses of Matthew. I'm not going to read them because they'd bore you to death, um, but it's the lineage of Christ. The first many verses of Matthew chapter 1 talk about the lineage of Christ, all the way from Abraham straight through to Jesus. Um, but it's something that gets so often overlooked um, because it's so dry, but I'm going to try and water this thing here this morning. Um, so we see in Matthew 1, the, the lineage of Christ, it starts with Abraham. And Abraham, in all of the Bible, is known as the father of our faith. That's how he's known. He is the father of our faith. And jumping way back a few thousand years, you see, Abraham received a promise from God that he was going to have this promised child in his 90s. He was in his 90s and received the promise that he was going to have this great child. And, you know, I love looking into the names in the Bible and what they mean because I think there's so much we can gain from that. We learned last week when um, Cameron shared about uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth, um, the meaning of names and how it's so important that we can learn so much through it. And like I said, Abraham, being the representative of our faith, representative of faith and Sarah his wife is so cool her name actually means grace when you look at her name it actually means grace and I think this paints um, such a beautiful picture of faith it paints such a beautiful picture um, that God is trying to show us of what a combination of faith and grace leads to and I love the the foreshadowing of the Old Testament and into the new I mean the story of Abraham you look at that verse, Ephesians 2, verse 8, that it is by grace through faith that we are saved. Well, you look at these names, that it is by Sarah 
through the seed of Abraham that we eventually get the promised child of Jesus uh, through the lineage of Christ and that we have our salvation. I love the connection between the Old Testament and the New um, that it is because of that that we receive Jesus. And what's even more remarkable, and I, I love, like I said, the foreshadowing of, of God, and it's so magnificent the way um, he connects the Old to the New Testament. And in Genesis 22, Abraham is challenged by God to take his one and only son, take his son Isaac up Mount Moriah to be sacrificed. And it was, he was testing Abraham's faith in this moment. And so Abraham, early the next morning it says, he and his son Isaac, they go up Mount Moriah. And so Isaac is carrying the wood on his back that would eventually be for his sacrifice. And they go on this three-day journey. And of course, those who know the story, God eventually intervenes and says, no, I actually don't need you to sacrifice Isaac. Um, I will provide another sacrifice for you. I was simply testing your faith to see if you were faithful to me, if you believed fully in me. Now, this, of course, is a beautiful picture of what Jesus actually did for us 2,000 years later. See, Jesus, he actually went up that exact same mountain. Jesus went up Mount Moriah himself with wood on his own back in the form of a cross that would eventually be for his sacrifice for the sins of all mankind. And that's the beautiful redemption power that God has and that he sent through his son. And Jesus too went on a three-day journey. He went through hell and he went through the grave and he defeated them and came out victorious on the other side. And this is the story between that takes us from Abraham all the way through Jesus. And I, you can just get this from just looking at the lineage of Christ and see the different names and what they mean and and how it, was, it paints such a beautiful picture of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for us. You know, there's not one portion of the Bible that doesn't speak to us today. And I think we learned that quite clearly from last month's, um, last month's sermon series about the importance of studying the Word of God and what we can gain from the Word of God. Now, that stuff was all for free. Um, what I really want to get into this morning is I want to paint a picture for you guys that living a lifestyle of faith actually requires us to see things differently. Living a lifestyle of faith requires us to have a different vision, uh, to see things that aren't normally within our field of vision. And Hebrews 11.1, 1, like I said, it says, faith is the evidence of things unseen. See, we need assistance in order to see things that are not within our field of vision, right? We need assistance to see things that we normally cannot see. I want you to imagine this morning that after leaving church, you sit in your car, you get all ready to drive home, and, and you're sitting in your seat, you got the set in your seat where you need it to be, you got it at the right distance, you, you, you know, flick the radio so it's right where you need it to be, and then you go, you check your mirrors, but you got no mirrors, right? So you have no rear view mirror, you got no, no driver's side mirror, no passenger side mirror. I'm not suggesting that somebody's out there stealing your mirrors, although Joel isn't here suspiciously, I don't know what that's all about. Um, but how many people would be willing to drive a car that has no mirrors? You know, in some countries, it's actually illegal to drive without mirrors on your car. Um, you know, mirrors are, are actually super important for us to get from point A to point B without collision. Mirrors help us to see things that aren't normally within our field of vision. I want to suggest to you this morning that faith is actually like the mirrors of a car that cause us to see things that we normally cannot see. And that's why I've subtitled this message, Amazing Faith, Check Your Mirrors. So what is the purpose of the mirrors in your car? Well, they show us things that we naturally cannot see on our own, right? 
the mirror of a car, it actually increases your field of vision. It causes you to see things normally that you cannot see. It makes things more clear. It brings things into your vision, into your line of sight. You know, the cars that we drive nowadays are becoming so much more high-tech and so computerized and so high-functioning, right? There's so many new features on cars nowadays. There's, you know, there's blind spot sensors. There's um, lane assist, like lane departure warnings. There's forward and rear collision uh, monitors. There's, some cars even have autopilot, which is terrifying. But some cars, you can even just, like, set it and forget it. You can just, like, literally, it's just so easy to drive a car. There's no need to even check your mirrors nowadays. Now, if, I, if it's okay with you, I'd like to make an observation from the 29 years of my life that I've been living. I know it's not very long, but if I can make an observation um, that the culture in which we live in today, um, I believe that, that we've become accustomed to, to, be, um, to stay within our comfort zone. Um, that, that, that as a culture, we're less willing to take risk, becoming a little bit more complacent maybe, and, and less willing to step outside of our comfort zone. Now, this is not, I'm not saying this negatively about people. I love people. I live for people. Okay, this is, this is just simply an observation of the culture that we live in. Are you guys okay with that? Is that okay? That we're less willing to take risks. And I believe that it has a lot to do with the advancement of technology nowadays. I feel like that plays a significant role. You know, many people in the world, and I believe even in the church, are living their lives as if on autopilot, without ever having to check the mirrors of faith, right? Because we've been so in tune with, with the advancement of stuff that's going on that we, we, we don't need, we feel like we don't need to check our mirrors of faith. And we are constantly looking with our natural eyes and not necessarily looking with our vision of faith. And honestly, I can't blame people either because it's, it's so much easier to just, you know, set cruise control and just go, right? Like, it's so much easier to just go on autopilot without having to activate faith for anything. But what happens when we activate faith? Of what benefit is it in our lives when we choose to activate faith? We should be constantly checking our faith mirrors. You know, I, I, I want to look this morning at three main characters in the Bible story and how they lived a lifestyle of faith and they actually um, lived a lifestyle where they were constantly looking within their faith mirror to see what it was that God was showing them that was outside of their natural comprehension. And first, I want to start with uh, Mary in Luke chapter 1, verse 28 to 38. I'm not going to read the whole thing for you, but see, Mary receives this visitation from an angel. She receives this visitation from Gabriel who comes down and he says, you're going to uh, conceive a child by the power of the Holy Spirit and he's going he's to be the savior of the world. He's going to be king of the Jews and you're going to call him Jesus. And so Gabriel comes into the room and the first thing he says is, fear not, which I think is pretty easy to say for like a 12-foot giant being that's like probably glowing. I mean, like I changed my underpants pretty quick and then I'd go and not fear, but... Um, I believe that actually Gabriel is, I think he's saying so much more than just fear not. I believe he's saying something else, other, not just don't walk in fear, but I actually believe he's calling on Mary to have faith. You see, it says don't have fear. Well, what is the opposite of fear? In the Bible, actually, look at 1 John 4.18, and it says that the opposite of fear is love. 
Now love is what is about to be conceived within Mary through by the Son of God. The Son of God in his fullness, God is love, and Jesus is about to be conceived within her, and he is love. But in order to get her there, in order for her to receive that love, she must take a step of faith. In order to, in the, in order to bridge the gap between fear and love, we must have faith. In order to live a lifestyle of love, we must have faith. In order to live a life where we are not walking in fear, we must have faith. Gabriel is calling on Mary to have faith. And when Mary responds, she hears this grandiose plan, and in verse 34, she responds and says, but how can this happen? See, I'm still a virgin. See, she responds in question. Now, many people would see this as doubt. A lot of people would see this as Mary actually doubting what Gabriel is saying to her through God. But we remember last week what happened when Zechariah questioned the angel, right? He had his mouth shut for like nine months, the complete zip shut. This doesn't happen to Mary. See, I believe that Mary's response was actually in faith because she was not selfishly thinking. She was not thinking of herself. She was actually thinking of the promise. She was thinking of the plan. And allow me to explain. See, her question was not out of unbelief. It was a response of faith. She simply, she believed in the promise of God, but she just didn't understand the performance of God. She simply didn't know how it was going to happen. See, she knew, she believed the promise. She believed that this was going to happen and she was going to fulfill the will of God. But she just didn't know. Like, a virgin's never given birth before. How is this going to happen? See, she actually responded in faith and not in doubt. So Gabriel responds and says, this is going to be uh, a move of God. This is going to be the power of the Holy Spirit that comes upon you. And Joseph, your fiancé, he's not actually going to be the father. I mean, legally, they'll see him as the father on earth. But Father God is going to be the father of that child within her. Now, it's probable that every encounter that Mary probably had after this, that she would have been mocked relentlessly. People probably would have been talking behind her back, saying, do you see this pregnant girl with Joseph? I thought she was a virgin. Like, I thought she was pure. I thought she was kept well. I believe that she was constantly persecuted because of this. But she continued to keep her faith in God. She continued to pursue the promise of God. She continued to have her eyes of faith on what God was doing and eyes on the promise of what God was saying. She refused to turn away. She refused to look away at what God was doing. And in our lives, when we walk in faith, when we live a lifestyle of faith, we will always birth something miraculous. And you see, the angel ended his message to Mary by giving her actually a great word of encouragement by telling her about her uh, relative Elizabeth, who was, she was like super late in her age. I think she was like in her 70s or 80s, and she, was, she had been barren, but now she was going to be with child. And God, at this point, he's proving that nothing is impossible to Mary uh, not, sorry, nothing is impossible to God and God's promises, none of them ever come back empty. God always fulfills his word. And see, Mary's believing response, she says she surrenders herself to the will of God to become the servant of God. And because she believed in the word of God, she believed by faith the word of God, then the power of God rested upon her simply because she believed in the word of God. She experiences the grace of God in Luke, Luke one thirty. But when you believe by faith the word of God, the power of God rests upon you. Uh, a couple months ago, Carly and I were, in, uh, we were on vacation, and, 
And uh, we had spent a whole week just, just diving into the Word of God and, 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 and uh, teachings and testimonies on healing and, and the miraculous and the supernatural. We're so hungry for, um, for the supernatural of God that we spent a whole week with no distractions and just pouring into what God was saying about this, this topic. And, and it was really increasing our faith. And so we continued to believe the Word of God and what it was that he was saying about healing and his power on healing. And so we had come across this woman who had, she had ulcers on both of her feet for three years. She, these ulcers just kept getting worse and worse and more and more painful to the point where she could hardly walk without pain. She could no longer work anymore because of the pain. And so because we were believing in the word of God, because we poured into the word of God and, and studied it more and more and believed the word of God, then the power of God rested upon us. We laid hands on her and God instantly healed her like that. She was jumping on the spot. She started running and she could go back to work. Three years of pain, gone. I don't think you guys understand how powerful God is. Yeah. Let me ask you, what has God asked you to do that requires you to see things through the lens of faith? What is in your faith mirror that God is calling you to? You know, I, I love what's written on the passenger side mirror. You ever read that? It says, objects in a mirror are closer than they appear. You see, in a moment of saying yes, in a moment of saying yes to be used by God, Mary checked her mirror of faith by responding in faith and saying, how can this be? I'm still a virgin. She has this uproaring of faith. And the very next verse, it says, Luke 135, the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. You see, what was in her faith mirror just got a whole lot closer because the power of God rested upon her. What happens when you check your mirror of faith is that things that appear to be far off in your life are actually a whole lot closer than you think. When you operate in the realm of faith, when you live a lifestyle of risk for God, you will tangibly see God move in your life and that thing that you thought was really far off is now within your reach. That thing that you thought was impossible and out of reach, that thing that you thought was impossible, God says, it is not impossible for I am the God of the impossible. You look with eyes of faith and that pleases me. Allow me to put within you your field of vision, that which you thought you could not see, that which you thought was impossible, I have now put in your field of vision. That miracle that you need is now within your reach. That financial breakthrough is at your fingertips. That promotion and that blessing is right there for the taking because it is in your field of vision. Church, I want to encourage you, check your mirror of faith because God's there. Next up, I want to look at Joseph. Matthew 119, Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. Talking about Mary. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. It says that Joseph was a righteous man. Meaning that he kept and observed the Old Testament laws. Remember, even though we're in the New Testament scripturally, we're actually still in the Old Covenant because Jesus has not started his ministry yet. So we're still under the Old Covenant law and I find this very interesting um, so Joseph, being a righteous man, he had every right to actually divorce uh, Mary and be completely justified in doing so. And this was his secret plan. That's what he was going to do. That's what he wanted to do. He didn't want to lose his righteousness. He didn't want to be seen as unrighteous. So he was going to leave her. But then God sends an angel and he says, hold on there, big fella. I still need you. Like, I still need you to be a part of this. 
And in this very moment, God proves first to Joseph that he's creating a new covenant with his people and that he needs him to stick around with Mary in order to be a part of this. See, I love that God was doing away with the old law and its legalism and doing it in such a controversial way in the eyes of religion. You see, in this moment in time, Jesus is breaking thousands of years of religion and he's still in the womb. You know, it's so easy for us to judge Joseph in this situation. Right? We know the whole story. We've read the whole book. We, we know how the story ends. So it can be easy for us to judge Joseph and be like, really, you're going to leave her? But put yourself in Joseph's shoes for a minute. See, the woman that he was engaged to be married with, who claimed to be a virgin, who hasn't been with anybody else, is now suddenly pregnant. How do you respond to that? Yeah, she cheated on me. That's obviously the first thought that's going to run through my mind. In fact, did you know that Mary and Joseph were actually the very first guests on the Jerry Springer show? <laughs> Not a lie. Jerry Springer is that old. Such a great reaction, though. So Joseph, he didn't want to make this big scene, and so he was secretly planning on breaking the engagement. You know, it seemed like the most easy solution at the time. It was the most painless solution that he could have come up with. See, at this moment, his faith in Mary... And even his faith in God were being tested. If I can suggest to you that when our faith is tested, our initial response can sometimes be, hey, what's the easiest way out? You see, there was way too much weirdness going on with this situation. Right? It was just getting way too uncomfortable. Joseph's like, pull the chute, get me out of this thing. Right? He, he didn't want anything to do with it. Not to mention, he would have had to walk around with a pregnant fiancé as a righteous man. Do you know how awkward that would have been? People would have mocked him tirelessly. But you see, Joseph knew something that nobody else knew. Joseph had a God encounter. Joseph had a God revelation from heaven itself that nobody else understood. And this is the key. He had a visitation of his own. He was in the know that nobody else understood. And that caused him to walk in strength and purpose. Now, when you're in the driver's seat of your car, who and who alone has access to all the mirrors? You do, as the driver. Does anyone else in the car have access to see the things that you see when you're driving? No. See, mirrors cause us to see things that no one else around us can see. People around you don't always have the same vision and the same promise that God has for you over your life. Trust what you see in faith. Trust what you see in your faith mirror because God may have shown that to you and not necessarily to the people that are riding along with you. Take hold of the promises of God for your life and allow them to shape your vision. Allow them to, to help how you drive, to control how you drive. Also, allow it to silence the noise of the backseat drivers in your life, if you know what I'm talking about. Because they don't always have the same vision of the Father for your life. You know, there's always going to be naysayers and doubters out there, but just trust in what God has shown you. Trust in what God has given you in your field of vision through your mirrors of faith because he hasn't necessarily shown that to those that are riding along with you. And because Joseph and Mary, they continued to live a lifestyle with eyes of faith through their mirror of faith, God continued to provide for them. God continued to bless them. God continued to protect them. And because of this, it eventually led to their provision. God continued to provide for them. In Matthew chapter 2, 
Herod had ordered the murder of every boy in Bethlehem under the age of two. And then an angel of the Lord appears to Joseph and tells them, it's time to flee to Egypt. You've got to get out of here. Because, and because of their faith at this moment, because of their faith up until this point, God releases heaven's blessing over them. God knows exactly what lies ahead for them, and so he continues to bless them. He continues to provide for them. God knows exactly uh, what lies ahead in your life, and if we would simply give him our yes in faith, then he will open up heaven's blessing over your life. You know, it would have cost a great deal of money for a journey like that, for Joseph and Mary to travel all the way to Egypt and back. It would have cost them a lot of money in which they didn't have. So God, in his infinite wisdom, plucks a whole bunch of wise men from a long, long ways away and provides them everything that they need in order to make such a journey possible. You know, that speaks so much to our lives and how we live a lifestyle of faith today. Because sometimes we have no idea where the money's going to come from when the bills start piling up. But we can choose to do one of two things. We can live in fear, anxiety, and worry. Or we can choose to look in the mirror of faith and see the treasuries and the abundance of heaven into your life. Remember, things in the mirror are a whole lot closer than they appear. When you're in a situation, when you're desperate for help, just give your yes to God and watch him open the floodgates of heaven and pour out blessing upon blessing upon blessing into your life. Because of their lifestyle of faith, God continued to provide for them and protect them, much like he did for the next group of people I want to talk about, and that's the wise men. I find this story quite interesting because it's so much different than it's portrayed in Hollywood or in VeggieTales. Right? Like, it's like the Hollywood version is like the guys look out the window and like, oh, hey, there's a star right there. Oh, 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 yeah, it's right there. Hey, oh, hey, there's a baby. There's Jesus. Like, it's, it was so much different than that. It was, not, it was nothing close to that. And the journey that these guys went on it actually would have required a whole ton of faith, I think more than anybody else that we've read so far. See, these wise men, now, another thing, there actually would have been a whole lot more than three wise men. Scholars actually said there could have been upwards of maybe even a hundred wise men that made this journey. And they went on a two-year journey chasing a star. Two years, a star. See, this is a crazy moment where faith and intellect actually collide. Like, where else do you see faith and intellect collide in such a crazy manner? It's just remarkable. You see, it was a great risk for these men to be traveling to find the Messiah. But they knew such a journey to be absolutely worth it and never questioned. But think about it. These scholars, they chased a star for two years. Could you imagine going into your boss's office tomorrow morning and say, Hey, man, did you see that big bright star in the sky? Yeah, yeah, I want to go chase it. Can I go get it? Like, I just want a little leave of absence or something. Like, like two years, is that okay? A couple days here and there, but no? Really? I'm fine. Two years to chase a star. Like, I think we often forget about how crazy that is. Anyways, maybe that's just me. Uh, so this wasn't a quick journey, right? It's kind of the picture I'm trying to paint here. And the journey that they took, it actually was from present-day Iran all the way to Bethlehem. That is 2,000 kilometers that these wise men traveled by foot or camel or whatever they're riding. What faith. I think we often forget about that journey that they took, 2,000 kilometers. Could you imagine if they had gotten that wrong? I picture it kind of be like when Forrest Gump stopped running after three years. Hey, I'm pretty tired now. I think I'll go home. Like, 
three years wasted right there. Could you imagine two years wasted chasing a star for wise men? You better be sure you're right taking risks like that. You know, if only we had the faith of the wise men to give up what it was that we were doing, to give up these earthly things and to go chase the promised Messiah. If only we could say no to the things of this world. If only we could just look behind and say, say no, I don't want that stuff. I don't want that stuff. I want the promised king. That's what I want. That's what I'm going to chase after. If only we had that kind of faith. You know, I find it kind of interesting because at some point in their journey, I believe that they actually lost vision of the star. They could no longer see what it was that was in front of them. It was no longer visible to them. Matthew 2, 9 to 10 says, And so they left on their way to Bethlehem, and suddenly the same star they had seen in the east, it reappeared. So at some point, I believe that they were wandering, and they could no longer see what it was that was in front of them. They could no longer see what it was that they were chasing. And they got redirected to Bethlehem. Carrying on, it says, Amazed, they watched as it went ahead of them, and stopped directly over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were ecstatic, and they shouted and celebrated with unrestrained joy. Wow. Amazing. You know, I can't help but think that in a two-year journey of chasing a star, that there would have had to be, been at least a few cloudy nights. At least a few nights in which they could no longer see visibly what it was that they were pursuing that they didn't have clear vision, yet they kept pursuing anyways. That's faith. You know, I don't know about you, but I've had a few cloudy nights in my life. Heck, I've had a few cloudy seasons in my life where I could no longer see what it was I was chasing. I, I no longer had the vision of what it was that God had in my life. I, I, I kept pursuing through the darkness, right? I, I was in this place where I felt like it was cloudy. I could no longer see. I didn't have a bright shining star in the sky to direct my path. Things weren't clear for me. But you know what? I never gave up. I never stopped pursuing and I never stopped j- chasing because I knew that Jesus was on the other side of that darkness. The Bible says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will what? I will fear no evil. Jesus is always on the other side of that darkness. You may not always see that bright shining star in the sky. You may not see that. You may be walking through a cloudy season right now, but I promise you that God is on the other side. You know, when it felt like I didn't know where to go, when I had no place to turn, like I'm wandering in the dark all alone with no guidance, I would simply say, hey, where was the last place that I saw Jesus? What was the last direction that I got from Jesus? Because I'm going to go that way. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep trucking along. I'm going to put my head down. I'm going to keep going. And I don't care what the world says. I don't care what the darkness is trying to throw at me. I'm going to keep pursuing because I'm going to find Jesus anyways. In those dark seasons, let me tell you, it can be super easy to give up and say, why bother? But let me tell you, weeping may stay for the night, but joy always, always comes in the morning. I want to propose to you today that when we choose to follow the path that leads to Jesus, when we leave the things behind us to meet with the king as the wise men did, that one, God will always show you the way, and two, he will never disappoint or let you down. There may be times in our journey where we need a little bit more faith, when the star isn't quite lit up in the sky, as it were. And they felt like they were walking blindly. Just like right now, your walk with God might be a little cloudy. You might be walking through that place of darkness. 
Maybe you feel like you can't find your way. Maybe you've even wandered off the path of faith. Maybe you haven't even started your journey on the path of faith here this morning. But I promise you that if you keep walking, if you keep pursuing, if you keep chasing, if you keep going the place that God has sent you to be, that you will find Jesus on the other side of that. God will take you there. He will never let you down. God will never lead you down the wrong path. Okay? God will light up the path because he is the path. He says, behold, I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life. Stick true to God's word because his word is a lamp for my feet and it is a light for my path. Psalm 1611 says that he makes known to me the path of life and in his presence there is fullness of joy and at his right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Church, it doesn't matter where your journey has come from. All that matters is where your journey is going. Where is your path taking you? Is your path taking you deeper? Is your path taking you another level to another step of faith or is it where is it? Where is your path taking you? If you're in this place this morning and you're feeling lost, if you're feeling confused, if you're feeling scared, if you're feeling lonely, just give your yes to Jesus because nothing else matters. I promise you that. Nothing in this world matters but God. Believe that he is for you, that his plan is great, and he always leads you into greatness. Never fails. Furthermore, after they had brought their gifts to Jesus, they went back to their home country, but God supernaturally, supernaturally intervened. Okay, God is the great protector. There was danger at home, so God intervened and redirected their path. You know, when we take our journey of faith, there's going to be risk, right? Faith requires risk. And I know we don't like to hear that because we love our comfort zone, but faith requires risk. Faith takes us to the next level. Worship team, you can come on up. You know, what I find most interesting about the birth story is not just the fact that the wise men traveled 2,000 kilometers to find the promised Messiah. But what's really untold in the story is the fact that the Jewish priests who proclaimed the coming Messiah, proclaimed the coming King, they could quote scripture, they could appear very religious, did not themselves go see Jesus, yet they were only eight kilometers away. You see, to religion... The rearview mirror of faith is merely for decoration and only holds ornaments and trinkets to look pretty. On the outside, it looks good, but in reality, religion serves no good. See, Jesus came for relationship and to abolish religion. Jesus wants relationship. See, the point I want to make is that faith causes us to move, but religion will keep us stagnant. Religion causes us to go somewhere. James 2.14 says, What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? See, faith requires action. These wise men put action to their words. They put 2,000 kilometers of action to their words. You see, great faith should cause us to move somewhere. Great faith should cause us to take that next step. I love what Charles Spurgeon said. He said, little faith will take your soul to heaven, but come on, great faith will bring heaven into your soul. Great faith will open up the heavens into your very lives here this morning. It will activate the angels to move on your behalf. 
Great faith should move us to the place that God has called us. Check your mirrors, church, because God's ready to move. With eyes of faith, God will reveal to you the plans of kingdom, the plans of the kingdom here on earth. He wants to download into your lives. When we put the wheels of our faith into motion, there is no stopping us. Check your mirrors, church, because God's ready to move. God's ready to move you to the next. Through your next step of faith, God is taking you from the darkness and into light. He's taking you from fear and into trust. He's taking you from mediocrity and into greatness. He's taking you from the unattainable to the obtainable. Check your mirrors, church, because God's about ready to move. Put doubt behind you. Put the lies of the enemy behind you. Buckle your seatbelt because the God of miracles is about to blow the roof off this place. If you're willing to take a step of faith with me, if you're willing to get a little bit uncomfortable, I promise you God's going to show up. I promise you the God of miracles never lets us down. He never forsakes us. He always comes through in his promises. And if you would be willing to get out of your seat and go to the next place in God, it doesn't matter if you've never met God. It doesn't matter if you've been a Christian for 50 years. There's always more. There's always another step. There's always more greatness. God calls us from glory to glory to glory to glory. We will continue to walk in glory as we continue to pursue the promised king just as these wise men did. I want to challenge you to take the next step. Thank you for taking the time to listen to one of our messages from Impact Church. We hope and trust that this message encouraged you. If you want to find out more information about our church, check us out online at www.impactkingston.com. 